This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. President blaming the classified documents on poorly packed up offices. Boy, you think? In the meantime, the Chinese spy balloon really now is uh, front and center on a lot of people's minds about what a fiasco it is for the U.S. And then Tyree Nichols sad to say, who was beaten by a handful of Memphis police who have been fired and many of them now charged. Um, There is a photograph of him bloodied and beaten that was sent out to a handful of uh, people, including a woman that this officer had just met, of the conquest where he's standing over his body and he's handcuffed and he decided he'd take a few pictures and send them out. Oof, that was a mistake. Hey everybody, Kate Delaney, and in between there are things to smile about in this country, believe it or not, so welcome to this version of America Tonight, including the fact that uh, if you're a fan of the Super Bowl, whoo, Super Bowl is coming up, we're going to hit the man cave this hour. And, uh, in fact, talk about some of the exotic wagering that happens with the Super Bowl. And, more important, who's going to win? I don't know if it is uh, kind of a foreshadowing thing or not, but I was walking today, and I had the pleasure of walking on a beach. I was walking on a beach today, and I saw five different people with Philadelphia Eagles T-shirts on. (laughs) I have a lot of friends in Kansas City, a lot of very good friends and people that have been very good to me in my life who are cheering their heart out for Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know. You may be one of them. All right, let's just dive right into it and talk about uh, some of what is being talked about. Maybe in your neck of the woods. I always say that that's what it's about. What are the whispers? And people are talking about the Chinese uh, by balloon, and part of the reason why is because the revelations that there are other, there were other balloons that were sent over the U.S. And in fact, this is something that China has done in, in apparently other countries. So it's become now much bigger than even oh yeah, this giant balloon where oh we have our navy out there that gathered all the remnants that were left from the balloon that we shot down over the weekend off the shores of Myrtle Beach, and we're looking at how much there was, and then realizing that this these Chinese balloons have covered the U.S. before in at least four different times, and not just there, but other countries. And there is now a Chinese balloon, of course, hovering over Taiwan. Our Secretary of State, Annie Blinken, was supposed to go to China and, among other things, talk about their situation with Hong Kong and Taiwan and uh, other areas where there is tension between the U.S. and China. And so um, China 
refused conversation with the U.S. the U.S. Defense Secretary following this suspected uh, spy balloon. So that was the other thing that came out of that. So. Our Secretary of State Blinken postpones his trip to Beijing as a result of this because of what happened last weekend. And the the, the U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, following the downing of that suspected Chinese balloon, China said, no, we're not going to talk to you. <laughs> we're not doing it. Because the Defense Department submitted a request for a call between Austin and China's Minister of National Defense immediately after the fighter jets shot down the balloon on Saturday afternoon, trying to keep the lines of communication open and be responsible. But uh, that didn't happen. China is saying, look, we this was a weather balloon that was thrown off course. That's it. They did say they they did say this because you never hear this, but they did say they regret that that happened, but that it was a weather balloon, a weather balloon that was had some serious hardware on it. (laughs) We're measuring the weather with some of the biggest hardware we've ever put on any balloons. So now you look that. you look at the high stakes meeting with President Xi and Biden in November and how the the emphasis is was on let's keep the lines of communication open or well, the lines of communication are definitely not open. I mean, in our airspace, the presence of this balloon, it is a clear violation of our sovereignty and international law. It's obviously unacceptable that this has happened. So where do you go from there? I mean, what do you do? And it was part of the State of the Union. Of course, there was a mention of it that we will not tolerate that. But but these are words. And what what ultimately does that lead to? And will we, in fact, somehow maintain diplomatic relations with you know with china all you have to do is look whatever your search engine is just take a look at the navy photos because the the navy released them, the photos of the chinese spy balloon recovery and what what how much it was right and uh, how much they gathered and get a sense of that and tell me if you really honestly just with the just with a untrained eye for this stuff do you really buy that this is a, a, a weather balloon i'm going to say i'm going to say no right i'm going to say there's no way you're buying that very sad as we watch but so many americans taking part in any way they can whether it's just through a couple of dollars or it's efforts to still help in the what may be recovery of, of bodies at this point, because over 15,000 dead in Turkey and Syria, that area where they were slammed with the earthquake and those aftershocks, uh, rescuers racing to, to do what they could. And you know, still 70-plus hours later, found a baby that was born underneath all the debris the mother died but the baby was alive and they were able to they were able to recover the baby and the baby is stable and there were some children that were found sadly there were more people that were found dead than than alive but 7.8 magnitude quake in that area that was so dense with the kind of buildings that they had 
it's not a surprise that that would mostly be what would happen there. I mean, survivors are scrambling for food and shelter, and it's freezing the temperatures, and they were watching in so many of the areas to see if, please, please, under the debris, uh, somebody from my family is going to be pulled uh, alive and not uh, and not dead. And, I mean, there were some really hard-hit areas. But the fact that there were survivors that were being pulled, they have the dogs out there, they were quiet and listening in spots, they were able to, to uh, rescue some people, that is the hope that you're going to find more people alive, you're going to get lucky, and there was some, there definitely was some of that. So that's the good news, the silver lining, and of course, that so many people are reaching out to try to help in any way they can. Coming up, it is the Super Bowl. There is so much focus there, and of course, on LeBron James and his great feet. We'll talk about that as well when we go to the Man Cave. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. It's easy to see. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. We all know something big is coming, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming more self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, and they make it easy for you to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Hi, this is Kate Delaney. I am truly amazed by this audience. Many of you have been reaching out to me to ask more on what I call the No Drone Zone. How do you find out about the show or listen to podcasts or guests or even my books? So here we go. Go to KateDelaneyRadio.com for more on what's shaking in my orbit. To reach me, simply hit the contact tab and send an email. Behind the scenes photos, great video, travels, the dog. Yeah, that's Guinness. He is the mascot. Go to Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Or hit me up on Twitter at Kate S. Delaney. 
at Kate S. Delaney. For any of my books, including Deal Your Own Destiny, Amazon simply is the easiest. Thanks for listening as we talk about what's happening in my backyard and yours and how it affects us. We throw in laughs, cheap movie reviews, the man cave, and authors with some interesting stories to tell. If you've already forgotten everything I've just said, just go to katedelaneyradio.com. will in fact be as close as the line is, which is Philadelphia is favored by a point in and a half, or will we be snacking and paying more attention to what the snacks are than anything else because we're bored by the game? I will be paying attention to the game. I don't know about the rest of you, but uh, it is a big deal because, you know, 100 million people watch the Super Bowl. People connected to the game know this is a very, very big moment. It's a big moment for athletes who have, you know, put it all out there to get to this spot. And now after a very, very long season, here you go. It's uh, it's all about the pageantry. I call it the pageantry of what surrounds the game, too. So some of the interesting bets. I'm just going to say this because I think it's it's I think it's fun for some people. They'll they'll bet on this kind of stuff. Uh, field goals, like who scores the who scores the first field goal, and how how you know so how many Super Bowls have field goals open up the scoring. And the Chiefs' two Super Bowl appearances in the past three seasons have opened with field goals. So then you think about that. So that's a bet that's out there that some people just have a little fun with and put a couple of dollars down on that. And then how many touchdowns You know, in the first half? So what, what's the number? Uh, one, one and a half touchdowns. Will the Eagles score one and a half touchdowns or not? Philly has seven first half touchdowns through two games in the playoffs. Will they find the end zone at least twice in the first half or not? And then you look at um, some of the goofy things to win the third quarter. Will the Chiefs win the third quarter outright? That's something you could bet on. Will that happen or or not? Uh, because it's the quarter, if you statistically look at it, where Pat Mahomes, the quarterback for Kansas City, is the most proficient. Is the most proficient. And I like this one. I mean, and there's pages and pages of this nonsense of prop bets that you can pick really obscure ones. So MGM, bet MGM has a prop on the length of the game's first touchdown with a line of 6.5 yards. So if you look at pro football reference, you can, and I saw this on either Yahoo or USA Today, somewhere I found it in my um, research 
will find that 64 of the 120 touchdowns scored by the Chiefs and the Eagles were six yards or less. So six yards or less. So would you take that for the under? Um, I would bet the under. So that's what I would say. I would take like the Eagles and the under if I was going to take that bet based on what I just told you there. Anyway, it's interesting. Some of the long odds, the interesting odds and the crazy prop bets. Uh, you know, is the coin toss going to be heads or is it going to be tails and um, whatnot? And it kicks at 630. 630 is when the Super Bowl goes off Eastern. So then you look at where you are and look at the time for that and and uh, I think a lot of people are going to be tuning in, especially if it's close they'll be doing that. Alright, i got to jump to basketball. I'm going to kind of pop around on what I think. If we were all hanging out in the Woe Man Man Cave we'd be talking about the Lakers traded Russell Westbrook in a three team deal with the Jazz and the T-Wolves so how about that? And they get D'Angelo Russell from Minnesota in that deal that also includes Utah sending Mike Conley to the Timberwolves. So the Lakers get Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt from Utah. Minnesota gets a couple of, uh, gets a player, gets um, Walker, Alexander Walker and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker and picks and the Jazz also end up with a first round pick from the Lakers and they get Juan Toscano Anderson in that deal. Westbrook may seek a buyout from the Jazz so he can join a potential contender. That's a possibility. You know, it's weird. The Westbrook thing never really worked out with the Lakers. They were hoping that it would. I mean, they picked him up in, in 20 21 in the summer. He just wasn't a good fit with the King, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, you know, the, they missed the playoffs last season. They lost their coach. Vogel was dismissed after that. And the Lakers are in 13th place right now in the Western Conference. So they had to make some sort of a move, it seems. And that's the move that they uh, decided they were going to make. And and the timing is interesting, too, because you look at well, you look at where they are, so they had to had to make some kind of a move if they were going to make a move. And you just have the history made He's with uh, LeBron James, who's now the all-time scorer, all-time scorer in uh, NBA history. I saw a great little clip of him being interviewed by Michael Strahan, and Strahan asked him, just an obvious question about did you know did you think was this on your on your list was this on a list of something that you wanted to break and become the leading all-time scorer and he said you know never he was it wasn't what i was thinking about it was never something that i thought about and it blows my mind of course it does because it's an incredible amount of points number one and the fact is that He's still playing, so who knows what he what the bar is ultimately set at. And then you start to think, because this is what we do, right? Who is the greatest of all time, and where would you rank LeBron James when he's the all-time you know, score, scoring record? He, he breaks Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's 38,387 points, and he did it the other day against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder at home. So... You know, there is some perspective as different eras, that kind of thing. But you just got to you just got to think 
that and and Abdul Jabbar, they are not really and James are not really close, but um, you know. Even Jabbar's been asked about his relationship with James, and and he said uh, no relationship. They, I mean, they have no relationship, but they obviously have a mutual respect and appreciation. And uh, Abdul Jabbar was courtside; he gave James the game ball after he broke the record, and they embraced for whatever differences they've had. And Abdul Jabbar was pretty gracious after the game. And, um, you know, one of the things that LeBron James has done, and it's and it is something he really gets in, involved with, is helping kids in schools and where he grew up and in other areas. And he's he's done a lot and he should because of who he is and and obviously the resources he has. But he's done a lot to help a lot of people. Not always seeking this necessarily the spotlight for doing that. It becomes known, but he, that's not what he's necessarily trying to do. So good on him. I saw an interesting story. When you think about college football and how big college football is and recruiting, and it's about recruiting, getting the best players. I saw something about Georgia. They, of course, were national champs again. Georgia's yearly college football recruiting spending, $4.5 million. It's one-third more than any other school, the Bulldogs. Because that comes out you know, in the financial report from the athletic department. And um, no other program at, at any Power 5 public School has come that close to that number so far. So, for example, you look at Texas A&M; they're number two. They've spent two point ninety-eight million. Tennessee is three, two point ninety-two million. Texas, when you think of their program, two point forty-four million. Alabama, <clears throat> Alabama, the Crimson Tide, the Great Crimson Tide, two point thirty-two million. Wow, four point five million to get the best of the best and go and see and go and recruit. I mean, because what counts as recruiting? It's lodging meals for recruits and for the school personnel and unofficial visits and all uh, of that. And it's covered from, you know, and these particular reports from July 2021 to June of 2022. So that's how much, you know, phone charges, postage, uh, planes, all of the things that that are used in what you would do to recruit. That is that is an incredibly high number, I have to say. All right, two great authors waiting in the wings. You don't want to miss their stories. That's coming up next. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. 
You've seen crazy diets to lose weight. At GCN Team, our healthy body weight loss system simply neutrifies the body, bringing down cravings. It has been proven that nutritional deficiencies drive appetite for carbs, sugars, and fats. Lose weight the easy way. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Fighting cravings is a fool's game. Give the body what it needs to be satisfied. Again, 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. News update. President Biden will be sitting out the traditional pre-Super Bowl interview tonight for a second year in a row. Despite the massive audience of both Democrats and Republicans reacting to this move, Democrat strategist James Carville, who tells CNN's Michael Smirkanish, it's a bad sign. It's the biggest television audience, not even close. And you get a chance to do a 20, 25 minute interview on that day and you don't do it, that's a kind of sign that the staff or yourself doesn't have much confidence in you. There's no other way to read this. Superstar Taylor Swift makes it back here to the States from her sold-out concerts in Japan ahead of the big game tonight to watch boyfriend Travis Kelsey play for the Kansas City Chiefs as they take on the San Francisco 49ers. The game in Vegas starts at 6 p.m. Eastern on CBS. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendivite.
very pleased to welcome to America tonight Lee Halverson. His book is called Kong Catchers, A Soldier's Memories of Vietnam. Boy, do we have a fascinating off-air conversation. His book is a long, interesting, amazing read. It will take you on quite a journey. There's no question about it. And his life, I think, has been that kind of a ride. Lee, thanks for hopping on with us. You're welcome. So in Vietnam, at Vietnam, you were a dog handler. But before we get to that and what that was like and what you had to do around the perimeters and some of the fascinating stories that happened and some of the things you and your men did to actually help some children in in Vietnam and, and, and you cared about the people, before we go down that road, what was your road to going to Vietnam? Because you got married and then what happened? Well, two weeks after we were married, I was sent to Vietnam. I'm not sure I'm answering your question. Yeah, you are answering the question. So two, you're, you're just married two weeks, and yes. you should be enjoying your, your honeymoon and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, boom, you go. And how did your wife feel about that, Ginny? How did she feel? Well, the high spot of that is we never had a single argument our first year of marriage. But uh, as far as far as Jenny is concerned, she had just graduated from Iowa State with a degree in English and speech. She interviewed uh, at least twenty schools to get a job, and her interviews went well. The uh, school board hesitated in every case about hiring her because she was married to a soldier. And they figured when I got back from Vietnam, I would swoop her away and go elsewhere, and they would lose her as a teacher, and they wanted someone that would be in that position for a long time. So she couldn't get a job as a teacher, and she ended up living with her sister in Los Angeles and waiting tables until I got back from Vietnam. Wow. So she's doing that. She's waiting. You're there. And when you get to Vietnam, what's that like for you in the role that you were playing? What was it like daily for you? Oh, the daily operation, there's two things that have to be protected in a war zone. One is food and the other is ammunition. Most of uh, we attack dog handlers were sent to either a food yard or a uh, ammo dump. Some were sent to helicopter pads, and our job was to protect the interior of whatever we had been assigned to. Uh, Generally, there was a lot of concertina wire around every facility, and our job was if anybody got through the perimeter, then we were to uh, put our dog on them, attack them. Wow. The dogs were really efficient. Uh, we had drugs were a big problem in Vietnam. Many, many soldiers used drugs. And frequently, like uh, at the ammo dump in Pleiku, that was uh, guarded by 24 attack dogs. It was a huge, huge ammo dump. And uh, the dope, dopers would get together and have a pot party and not guard their uh, given area. And those of us that didn't use drugs would uh, periodically go through that 
post just because we knew somebody wasn't working it. And we had an occasion where there were four sappers. These are North Vietnamese soldiers with backpacks filled with plastic explosives. And if they get through, they throw the plastic explosives into the ammo dump and blow the whole thing up. And the dog handler caught four of them coming out of the last row of concertina wire. And his dog killed all four of them before any of them could throw a satchel charge into the ammo dump. Wow. That's how quick they were. Very efficient. Wow, no kidding. You told me a story, too, that was fascinating about a little boy who became sort of your secret weapon by telling you when there was going to be attacks. Uh, Tell the listeners the story about how you met him. Sure. I was guarding a food yard. And again, my orders are anybody that comes through the concertina wire, I am to put the attack dog on whoever that is. Uh, It was... Uh, dusk, just uh, the sun had just gone down. And I saw this little boy, uh, he was eight years old, come through the last row of concertina wire, and he went directly to a garbage barrel, pulled out a rotten apple, and shoved the whole apple into his mouth, and just chewed and swallowed as fast as he could. And my orders were to attack that kid. Well, I couldn't do it, you know, I... I told you before, I'm a Christian, and one of the principles that I live by is is Jesus Christ said to treat other people the way you'd want to be treated yourself. Well, I wouldn't want to be attacked if I was starving to death. Uh, My problem was if an officer had seen me not turn my dog loose on that uh, boy, I could have been court-martialed. But I looked around, I didn't see anybody else. I knew enough Vietnamese that I spoke with the little boy and found out where he lived. And then I told him, you get out of here, don't you ever come back. And at the end of my uh, uh, duty time, uh, I would take a loaf of bread or a can of peaches or something, and when we drove by that little boy's home, I'd just shove it out the side of the truck. And I did this for quite a while and never thought too much about it until one night the little boy showed up at my bunker or at my barracks and said, G.I.B. in bunker at 8 o'clock tonight. And I didn't know exactly what to think, but at 8 o'clock we started getting rocketed. And from that point on, that little boy warned me of every single attack that was to come, and he knew it before our Army intelligence knew it. And very simply, uh, I was taking care of him, and he was taking care of me. Yeah. Wow, what a great story. And then, of course, there's a story, and we're speaking to Lee Halverson, Con Catchers of Soldiers, Memories of Vietnam. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, about the orphanage and how you had so many of your men eventually that helped you with the orphanage and what that was like. And that story came about because of these popcorn bombs and a baby crying, and that led you to... Uh, creating these orf- this orphanage, what what happened there, and what was that like for you to see what it did to the men? Well, when I took the baby to the orphanage, the orphanage had been damaged by mortar fire. 
And I, I, when I married Jenny, I gave her my vow. I would be faithful to her. Now, most soldiers on a day off uh, like to go downtown and get drunk and have some female companionship. Uh, and I didn't do that because I was going to be faithful to Jim. So on my time off, I went to the orphanage and started repairing it. I put in windows and fixed doors and siding and what, whatever it took. And one by one, the other guys in my company said, you know what, Dad, they called me Dad. Uh, I think my time would be better spent helping you at the orphanage than going downtown. And in time, most of my company all went to the orphanage on our time off. And all of these guys, it took one or two little kids that, in their mind, these are my kids. I remember one, his name was Arturo Wilhelmino Policelli. He was from the Bronx. He was a member of the uh, Sicilian Army back home. He had to carry six knives on him at all times. He uh, he picked a little boy that had been hit in the face with the palm, and the palm had burned off his ears, his nose, his lips, his eyelids. It made you want to vomit just to look at him. He was just he was horribly, horribly uh, harmed. And Art would hold that little boy and cradle him and hum a song. It was just beautiful. Wow. Wow, so many stories like this in this fascinating book. What do you hope people take away from reading Concatchers? Well, I at least my experience so far in this is uh, I have had wives of ex-Vietnam uh, veterans call me crying and saying, you know, my husband wouldn't say a word about what happened to him in Vietnam. But I got this book, and I read it, and I read some of your stories to him, and now he's talking like a magpie. <laughs> and we're closer now than we have ever been, and I just wanted to call you and thank you. And the other is I've had uh, parents call me and say, I want my kid to read this book. I want him to or her to adopt the principles that you live by. Would you come to our church and do a book signing? So I've been asked to go to quite a number of churches where I have done a book signing, uh, answer people's questions. It's been a very enjoyable experience. Yep, you're having an impact, I would say, Lee. And we're out of time. People have to go and get this book, and they'll hear more of these stories. But what a big heart. What a wonderful story. Lee, thank you. You're more than welcome. This is 
Kate Delaney. I am truly amazed by this audience. Many of you have been reaching out to me to ask more on what I call the No Drone Zone. How do you find out about the show or listen to podcasts or guests or even my books? So here we go. Go to katedelaneyradio.com for more on what's shaking in my orbit. To reach me, simply hit the contact tab and send an email. Behind the scenes photos, great video, travels, the dog. Yeah, that's Guinness. He is the mascot. Go to Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Kate Delaney fan page on Facebook. Or hit me up on Twitter at Kate S. Delaney. At Kate S. Delaney. For any of my books, including Deal Your Own Destiny, Amazon simply is the easiest. Thanks for listening as we talk about what's happening in my backyard and yours and how it affects us. We throw in laughs, cheap movie reviews, the man cave, and authors with some interesting stories to tell. If you've already forgotten everything I've just said, just go to katedelaneyradio.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. in our virtual green room. He has had such an interesting career. He worked in publishing and advertising for over 40 plus years. So in that role, art director, graphic designer, illustrator, writer, what I think is really cool is his ties to the New York Times. He has a book, the New York Times Home Repair Almanac and Tiling the Installation Handbook. I mean, how do you write for the New York Times in the home improvement area? I know growing up in that area, how critical people can be so to 
write a column like that for the New York Times would be absolutely amazing. And he's written a novel that we're going to talk about called Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Ed, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So you got to tell us the New York Times story. How'd that happen? Well, I, after I got out of the Air Force, uh, I was a missile launch officer, I was, got into the art field and I was doing illustration. And one of my clients was the New York Times. And I, I did technical illustration and scientific illustration. And I was illustrating the column for home improvement. And um, all of a sudden, the uh, writer of the column took off. He, he resigned. He decided he didn't want to do the column. And the New York Times was looking for a writer. Well, when I was in college, I minored in English, so I stepped up to the plate and asked if I could do it. Because I had a background not only in uh, illustration and art and writing, but I was also involved in the theater, and I was a stage carpenter at one time. So I figured I had enough background that I could do this, so they gave me the chance, and uh, then the rest was history. I was able to do the column for five years. The only reason why I'm not doing it now is because the New York Times has gone on hard times, and they're no longer publishing independent columns like the home improvement, chess, photography, and cooking, and so on. Yeah, but that had to be a fun experience for you, was it? It was a fun experience, and it was also a learning experience, because even though I had experience in home improvement and industrial carpentry, I realized that when you write about something, you have to be able to tell people how to do it. It's not enough to do it yourself. (laughs) So all of a sudden, I found out myself, I had to be not just a writer, but also a researcher. So putting together the columns was quite a task. It was enjoyable. But after five years, I felt as though we had done everything we could do. So it was just as well that the column uh, terminated. Yeah. And before we talk about your your novel, we have this really interesting character, Jeff Foxlove. You worked in advertising, so you know what the advertising industry was like and some of the crazy uh, people who, who really were part of that. You worked on ad campaigns and whatnot. What what was that experience like for you? Well, to tell you the truth, I worked as a freelancer, and I did not work for the big agencies like J. Walter Thompson, Y&R, Doyle Day, or BBDO. I worked for a lot of the smaller agencies, and when you work for the smaller agencies, they uh, they have a, uh, lesser products. To, they don't have the big name products to work with. So they, they, these people sometimes got overzealous, and they actually kind of bend the rules of truth a little bit. Um, I didn't work constantly with them. I would come in occasionally, and that gave me a chance to see the world of advertising from an outsider's perspective at the same time by being in it. And so I ran into some rather interesting characters whom I will not mention, but anyway, um, uh, for obvious reasons. But anyway, so as I was writing the column for the New York Times, somehow I got the idea of, of thinking, if I ever sit down to write a novel, I would like to write about advertising, but I would like to put a, a glitch into it, a twist into it, a little wrinkle, and that was the werewolf idea. So um, even though I had an experience in advertising, <laughs> I haven't known many werewolves in my time. <laughs> Neither have I. So talk about your book, Werewolf on Madison Avenue. Tell us about the story of Jeff Foxlove and what, what happens to him. Well, uh, if you think about the uh, monsters, there are the five big monsters, Dracula, Frankenstein, the werewolf, the invisible man, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. And all of them, except the werewolf, are full-time monsters. But the werewolf is unusual because he's only a monster 
one night of the year, uh, one night of the month, uh, and that's the night of the full moon. So he can be a monster and also keep his day job, and that's really what this is about. Jeff Foxlove is a young man, he's just out of college, and he wants to get into advertising. And he's read the high-minded end of advertising from, De- uh, from Ogilvy's book, Confessions of an Advertising Man. And he really wants to get into to sell product and to do a good job. Unfortunately, he falls into a lesser advertising agency where the um, uh, owner of the agency is also the creative director. And his, he, his, there's no bounds to his tastelessness. And uh, so he takes Jeff Fox Love under his wing and, and makes him a, a, a raunchy copywriter. Well, it's all right for a while, but Jeff, on a vacation, in the Yucatan, runs into the creature of the night and becomes a werewolf. And he comes back to New York thinking everything is okay again, but then he becomes a werewolf on the night of the full moon. And the next morning, he's filled with remorse. He wants to give himself up, but his boss tells him, no, his boss doesn't want to lose a good copywriter. So he tells him, okay, I'll find a way to keep you from going out on the night of the full moon and becoming a predator. Not only does he do that, but he realizes that now that he's got a full-fledged werewolf on his hands, he can use the werewolf to advertise various products, shaving cream, hair, uh, shampoo, and so on. It works for a while, except for one thing. The werewolf, by its very nature, must kill. And so we have to see. And so we, uh, the story takes place, uh, it goes on to say, can the werewolf survive as a werewolf and yet still be a copywriter? It goes to an ending, which I think the readers will find very surprising. Ooh, so it's so interesting because you've combined lots of humor. You have you have such a great sense of humor. You can see it is certainly weaved in the book and horror. And um, it had to be fun for you to write this, was it? it? It was fun. It was fun exploring the character and combining the eccentricities of the advertising world with the uh, predatory nature of a true monster and making them come together and then seeing if he could resolve this in a different kind of ending. I might say that... Uh, I appreciate your comments, and I, of course, think the book is very good, but I'm not the only one. The Seattle Book Review just gave me a five-star review uh, rating for the book, so uh, it's getting good reviews. Nice. Will you write another novel? Yes, I'm in the process. I've just finished another novel called um, Visions of Destiny, and it's about a man who can see into the future. A very average, ordinary person, but he has the gift of getting glimpses into the future. Now, that might seem like a wonderful gift, but if we remember the um, uh, mythological legend from Greek mythology of Cassandra, the prophetess of doom, uh, sometimes it turns out badly, and this is a way to turns out for Henry Gainsworth. He has these visions, but when he reveals them, people become very wary and even afraid of him. And he goes through life in this way. And uh, it has another bittersweet ending. The book is in the final editing stage now. I don't expect it to be actually in print until the middle of March. Nice. Werewolf on Madison Avenue, you can pick that up on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And I would be remiss not to ask you about this, because uh, the Natural History Museum in New York, I think, is one of the great gems in the United States. And you spend time volunteering there. I'm waiting for your uh, dinosaur book to come out. What's that like? (laughs) (laughs) That's a long long way. Uh, Yes, I was up at the museum yesterday. I I work at the, uh, I'm a gallery explainer, and I'm up on the fourth floor 
usually on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, sometimes Thursdays, in the afternoon. And if you want to know anything about dinosaurs, uh, you can come up and ask me. I won't be able to answer everything about dinosaurs, but I'm, I'm fairly fluent, and I've been doing that for over 20 years. Um, uh, but I'm not going to write a book about it. There's too many good <laughs> books out there by too many authorities. Uh, so you'll have to wait for that, unless I can figure out a way of making a fiction book out of it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, what made you decide to do that? Because to, to, obviously you were busy. You had your hands full with everything else you were doing. What made you decide you were going to uh, volunteer, and, and you've done it now for decades? Well, yes. Uh, what happened was uh, I started as an artist, and I used to go up to the museum. It's a great place to draw the animals because they don't move. And um, uh, then I felt out, I joined the museum so that I could go there anytime I wanted. And then I got the um, newsletter, and they were looking for volunteers and to explain dinosaurs. The dinosaurs hall had been closed for a few years where they were renovating it and reorganizing it. So they opened it up again, and they were looking for volunteers to explain dinosaurs. And I thought that might be interesting just to volunteer to do something. I'm not very good at volunteering like in a hospital or something like that. But it might be something to... uh, bring my talents, however limited they are, to useful purposes. And so that's what I did. I've been volunteering, I've been doing it, and I really like it. The museum is a wonderful place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ed Lipinski, Werewolf on Madison Avenue, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's my pleasure, I can assure you. All right, so interesting his story. I really, really like the idea of what he did as I go back to the book, Werewolf on Madison Avenue, of talking about werewolves and in the cutthroat world of advertising and combining that there really is a lot of humor weaved in this, and his main character, Jeff Foxlove, is fascinating. So thanks to Ed for coming on the show and all of you for listening to this version of it. Hey guys, why settle for poor quality Poudiarco that's sold by stores and online resellers when you can get Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Poudiarco Super Tea at drinksupertea.com or 818-965-9113. The Tahibo Tea Club's original pure Poudiarco Super Tea is only available at drinksupertea.com. 818-965-9113. 818-965-9113. That's drinksupertea.com. Ever feel completely down on your luck, whether it's your career or just your life? Do you look at other people and wonder, why them, not me? I'm Kate Delaney. I did it. I admit it. I've learned some valuable and priceless lessons from some of the rock stars I've interviewed over the years, like Sir Richard Branson or the late, great John Madden, and I want to share them. Want to laugh? Want to learn? Want more out of life? Then pick up a copy of my book, Deal Your Own Destiny, Increase Your Odds, Win Big, and Become Extraordinary. Get it on Amazon today.